Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been uh, recording directly like this, so I appreciate your patience. Hope you've had a chance to go on our church's Podbean site to listen to some of the other preachers at Urban Village. We are uh, we have a, a what we call a freebie Sunday uh, this week where we are in between sermon series, and so. Uh, each of the sites is doing something a bit different, and I am going to be talking and reflecting on uh, what's called General Conference. Uh, for those of you who are not United Methodist, there's a large gathering uh, every four years, though this time there was a special session of delegates from around the world to talk about human sexuality and where our denomination stands on it. So they made some uh, decisions that uh, many of us believe harmful and hurtful to the church, and to the faith. And so I'm going to do some reflecting on that. But I also think that regardless of whether you're United Methodist or not, hopefully you can get something from these thoughts and reflections. This is hopefully, I, I believe that the Spirit is speaking to all of us. Let me start by first reading the text that I'm going to focus on today. This comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3. And I'm going to start at verse 13 and read through uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So I mentioned going to this general conference. It was in St. Louis, and I was there last Sunday through Wednesday and it was a, an emotional time uh, for lots of reasons. Um, for those who don't know, the United Methodist Church, its stance on homosexuality has been for the last several years, actually for the last uh, couple, three decades, a statement in our bylaws that say that, uh, quote, self-avowed practicing homosexuals, unquote, cannot be ordained, nor can clergy officiate uh, same-sex weddings or civil unions. Uh, as some of you know, if you know Urban Village, you know that we have been uh, going against this. We believe it's wrong and uh, any consequences that may come our way, which they haven't, we were willing to face. So our clergy have done weddings and we have had uh, LGBT folks on staff. So uh, at Tuesday night, it was I was at a worship service and people were pretty emotional because the general conference, the delegates voted essentially to not only affirm where the denomination has stood on this, but also to uh, put into process um, the ability to really enforce these laws uh, as it stands now. It kind of depends on where you live in the country, in our country and in the world as to whether these uh, bylaws, uh, these rules have been emphasized. So there was a lot of emotion, a lot of sadness in this worship service. And so as we started the worship service, and there was a time that was kind of a, a passing of the peace. And uh, passing of the peace is always an interesting thing. Now, as somebody who's a little bit more of an introvert than extrovert, I, I feel for the folks for whom passing of the peace is a little painful, where you are almost forced to 
uh, go up to a stranger and say good morning or shake their hand, whereas you would rather just sit there and hide or just smile politely at others. And so at this particular worship service, they were doing a kind of passing of the peace. And I was in a place to where I was happy to do so, but it was no ordinary passing of the peace. They wanted us to say something and then have the other one repeat it. So in some churches, uh, they may say, the peace be with you, and someone else will respond by saying, and also with you. Uh, But instead, what they told us, they said, uh, we want one person to say to the other, the light in me acknowledges the light in you. And then the other person is supposed to respond, the light in me acknowledges the light in you. Now, I'm usually game for trying new things. Uh, And so uh, that night in the worship, I was torn between uh, the part of me that was game to try new things and the other part of me that was like, ugh, the last thing I want to do is to say this kind of forced saying to somebody else, me to look at the other person and say, the light in me acknowledges the light in you. And then to stand there and have the other person respond back. So it was a little awkward. It wasn't too bad. In fact, some people didn't like the word acknowledge. And so they changed it on their own and said, celebrate. So you could tell as you looked around the room, the uh, extroverts loved it. And they were hugging and the light in me celebrates the light in you. And they were and eagerly anticipating the other person to say it back to them. So the whole thing, you could kind of tell as you looked around the room, those who were finding it wonderful to do this and others who were a little awkward or felt awkward about doing it. More than anything else, it really kind of makes you vulnerable in a weird way because you're with a stranger and you're saying this sentence to the other one. And so probably some people thought, I could be made a fool of here, or this feels like I'm being made a a fool of. So it was an interesting thing to kind of watch this and see the vulnerability that was happening for those who loved it and those who weren't so crazy about it. So since a general conference and this uh, vote and this decision to continue these, what we believe are harmful policies toward the LGBT Q, our, our LGBTQ friends, people have been emailing me and, and texting me uh, because Urban Village is a United Methodist Church, and they're asking good questions, some of whom are expressing a desire we just should pack up and leave the denomination or start something new. And I totally get that. So it's a been a, a question for folks saying, well, now what do we do? We have been tied to the denomination. To, there is much good in the denomination, we believe, but acknowledging that it's also hard to feel like you are in with uh, people who don't want you around. So when people ask me, what do we do now? It's been a challenge to say three particular words. Now, I know that when we say the words, three words, I love you, that are three words that are hard for some folks to say because that also makes you feel vulnerable For me, probably three harder words are, I don't know. Sometimes people will come up to me and they'll ask a question about the Bible. And they'll ask this really hard, good question. And I feel like I'm supposed to be the Bible answer man and respond this really pithy, wise response. But And sometimes, if I'm honest, I try to bluff my way through it. When instead, I should be saying more often, I don't know. 
And yet that goes against sometimes what in our society, we, what, what we want a leader to be, the stereotype of what a leader should be, to always know exactly where we're going and how we should respond. But I find myself more and more living into and I'm even embracing the vulnerability, saying, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to respond. We have to be patient and see what's next. Saying I love you is vulnerable. Saying I don't know leaves us really vulnerable too. So vulnerability is what I want to talk about today, especially because we see it modeled here in this passage from Matthew. We see vulnerability modeled by Jesus. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we always do our best acknowledging that we sometimes fail along the way, but we do our best to follow in with the model and the pattern that he gave us and the way that he lived his life, drawing on the inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit along the way. So we see vulnerability here in this passage because Jesus of Jesus' baptism. This is really one of the more remarkable passages in the scriptures, I think, or in the Gospels. It starts at the beginning of chapter 3, which we didn't read, but it starts at chapter 3 by introducing a man called John the Baptist. And it He is introduced as appearing in the wilderness of Judea, and he right off the bat uh, makes a pretty pointed and strong statement saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. John has been characterized, described in many different ways, that he's a prophet, a preacher, sometimes an outcast, maybe even a zealot, but John does not mince his words at all. And so he comes right out of the box and preaches and says some pretty challenging things. But then we get to verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6 say this, Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So we see individuals coming to him. This was a rite of passage that uh, signified, symbolized fresh start, forgiveness, being cleansed, we don't really know who these people were. Again, verse 5, the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him. We don't know who they were. I did some reading and commentaries, and there's no way to know exactly who are the people coming. But clearly, the people who feel like, I need to start over again. I need. Uh, I have been leading uh, my life in a way that doesn't jive with how I think it should be led. I am not following the commandments of God, and so I need a a fresh start in the church. We call this repentance, where we acknowledge that we're not living the way that God would want us to live. We want to turn around, turn toward God, and start anew. This is what baptism, one of the things that baptism symbolizes. So here are all these peoples. We can perhaps call them sinners, people who know that they have gone astray and need to turn around, need a new way of living. And the remarkable thing is that Jesus gets in line with them, that Jesus includes himself with this crowd, thinking, believing that he too needs baptism. Now, there are all kinds of debates and thoughts and reflections about whether Jesus, what this does is signify, if we believe that Jesus was sinless, why then would he need baptism. And perhaps it is not in the ways that we may think of baptism, a cleansing of sin, but instead, one of the things perhaps that this signifies is Jesus' submission to God 
and God's desire for his life, that Jesus allows himself to be led by the Spirit. We see here that this seems a little incongruous because at first John doesn't want to do this, that Jesus, or that John says that you should be baptizing me, but instead Jesus shows a remarkable vulnerability to first get in line with all these other folks who need this fresh start, that Jesus submits to God in this way by allowing John to baptize him. And then Jesus once again submitting to letting himself be led by the Spirit, this Spirit that leads him then into the wilderness. We see here, again, remarkable vulnerability that Jesus is showing, which I think hopefully should be a lesson to those of us who believe that we always have to have the right answers and that we always want to do things and go our own way without stopping and saying, Lord, I don't know where I'm going. I am submitting my way. I'm submitting and giving my life to what you want and your desires. Jesus is showing us this better way. And it starts with baptism. Baptism is a very vulnerable thing. It's one of the two sacraments that we have in the church. Uh, Often we baptize infants or babies. And that's a very vulnerable. The, The baptisms I've done over the years And you can see, I take this baby from the parent's arms, and the look on the baby's face often is shock and surprise because they're often nestled in the warm arms of their parent, and they're used to this. And then all of a sudden, this baby looks at this stranger who is taking uh, them into uh, my own arms and then puts water on their head. Talk about vulnerability. And it's not unusual for the baby, of course, to scream. And who wouldn't scream in this new thing? I have seen, too, a couple of times, sometimes in, I've seen this in a Catholic church where babies are baptized naked. Talk about vulnerability. The times when we have done adult baptism, too, it's very vulnerable to do this. You're getting wet, you're kneeling sometimes, and you're opening yourself up saying, I need something more in my life. I don't know where I'm going. I need God, I need Jesus, I need the Holy Spirit to guide me. We need the example of Jesus. We need the example of those being baptized in our own way to submit. Jesus is a model for us in this way. I remember once when I was serving another church, uh, United Methodist Church, and we were, um, our bishop at the time, a man named Bishop Hisu Jung, he was going to visit every church in our geographic area called a conference. It was a pretty remarkable goal for him because there are hundreds of churches, but he came one night to our church, and so we were waiting at the door for him, and I'd only met him a couple of times. And again, sometimes when we think about leaders and we think about people who are going to take charge and immediately start maybe glad-handing, and uh, they might be charismatic, and so you just have a sense like this person just oozes bishopness. And Bishop John came in and uh, very kindly and warmly said hello to us. But then immediately he wanted to do something else. He asked us very humbly, where is your sanctuary? And I thought at first, I thought, well, this is nice. He wants to see where we worship. And then, and then he went into the sanctuary. And then I was told that every time he goes into one of these churches, he asks to go into the sanctuary so that he can kneel down in prayer. 
and not only pray for the church in that sanctuary, but also to kneel down in submission as a way to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And that example has always stuck with me. Here is this man that you assume, this is a bishop. You assume bishops know what they're doing. They have it all under control. They know exactly where they're going and we can follow them. But here was a bishop saying, I first need to submit. I first need to be vulnerable saying, Lord, I need your guidance and your spirits to lead me in my own ministry. Where do we go from here as Urban Village? Where do we go from here as United Methodists? There are many responses. As I noted earlier, there are some who are so understandably angry that they have put up with this denomination for years, for years. And this was the final uh, signal that they are not welcome. Others who are defiant, saying, we will fight this. Something new is going to come out of this, and we want to lead the way, whether it is continuing to fight, to hold on to our denomination, or to see if something new, some sort of new denomination, perhaps, a new movement within the United Methodist Church. Some are energized, full of hope. Some are despondent and say, I just can't take it anymore. And so I find myself in a place, I felt all of these things this week. And I find myself more often in a place of saying, I don't know. And that's a really vulnerable thing to say. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where we're going right now. And I think that's the only perhaps thing that we can say in addition to saying, God, God, I trust you. I trust that you will guide us and lead us. And we submit and we kneel down where you want to lead us. We believe where you want to lead us is a way that we continue to communicate and tell others what God said to Jesus that day. This is my beloved. And this is what we believe we are called to do as the people of Urban Village. And I believe too for a lot of people and the people of the United Methodist Church. One of the most moving things for me at General Conference was a moment uh, Tuesday, again, it was Tuesday before the worship service I mentioned earlier, but we were walking out of the convention center that we were in, and I was walking with a friend of mine. I spent and roomed with a friend of mine, and this speaks a little bit to our denomination, somebody who I have to give you a different name for him. His name is, I'm going to call him Robert. Robert's a gay pastor. All of his friends know that he's gay. He's a United Methodist pastor. Uh, his Some of the people in his church does, but he can't fully come out because of uh, because of our denomination. Robert has been to these gatherings uh, in the past, so he knows the pain and the hurt. And there, sometimes when he has been at these general conferences and he's walked away, just so wounded, so wounded and tired and not wanting to put up with it anymore. And so he went this time with a little bit of trepidation, but he was doing his best to kind of hold it together and to be strong for others because he's a leader. So others look to him too for guidance and support. And so I did my best to to be there with him and to help him to joke with him and uh, to be ready in case uh, he needed somebody to talk to, a shoulder to lean on. But he was strong throughout the whole general conference. And I was impressed by the way he was holding up. I found myself leaning on him more than he on me. But when we were walking out of the convention center on that Tuesday, he saw a young woman who's also a pastor in another part of the country. 
And it turns out this young woman was a part of Robert's youth group when he was a youth leader. And she walked to Robert, walked up to Robert, and she was in tears, and she gave him a big hug. Uh, and she said, you are the reason that I am in ministry. And these words to Robert, that's when he lost it. And he broke down and just shed tears and hugged her and she held him tight and she was crying and he was crying and I felt myself getting a little choked up too. And in some ways, these tears symbolize the waters of baptism that Robert felt that I can now be vulnerable and I can break down and I can say, this hurts. While this other woman was speaking truth into his own life and his own heart saying, you are the reason that I now have an impact on others, that I now do my best to tell others that they are beloved. And Robert heard that and felt that and then allowed his brokenness to show that the tears of vulnerability instead instead of showing weakness, showed strength. Instead of showing control, showed a willingness to say, Lord, lead me and guide me. I don't know where I am going. Water in this way shows us a willingness to be open and to be led. Just as Jesus submitted to God's will and baptism was a powerful way of him doing that. So tears sometimes also show, can connote a willingness to allow ourselves to be led by God and a kind of vulnerability that instead of showing weakness shows real strength. If you have been baptized, I encourage you to find some kind of water today, whether you take a drink of water and just take a part of that water and put a little cross on your head saying, I am a baptized child of God. And out of these waters, I say, Lord, I don't know. Lord, guide me and lead me. Or maybe you are at a place where you need to shed tears, shed them freely as another way of saying, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do. Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. And then trust that we hear God's voice saying to us that we are beloved. And then we take those first few steps. And then like Jesus, Jesus, who had this mountaintop experience, was immediately led into the wilderness. And sometimes we uh, feel that same thing. We may feel like when we're baptized or shed tears that now things will be all uh, just fine. And that it will be smooth sailing. But instead, we walk right into the wilderness but we trust and hope that the words of our belovedness ring, belovedness ring in our ears and that we continue to say that mantra, Lord, I don't know, guide me. Lord, I don't know, lead me. Lord, I don't know, I submit to you. And by doing so, we show a kind of power leaning on the Holy Spirit that can lead us not only into the wilderness, but beyond that too, into places of new life, where we then can share this good news with others of their belovedness and encouraging them to share their brokenness and vulnerability too. May we do this together. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. I will be back next week. 
as we start a new sermon series, as we start this season of Lent with forgiveness. That's our focus. If you want to reach out to me, for those of you who are United Methodist and just need someone to talk to, you can always email me, christian at urbanvillagechurch.org, or you can reach out to me and learn more about my ministry at my website, christiancoon.com, my other podcast, Failing Boldly, and you can learn more there. So, friends, until the next time that we're together, may the peace of Christ be with you.